I'm David Heitler Clevens. And I'm Rodney Wittenberg. And this is Music for the New Revolution. Happy July 4th. Happy Interdependence Day. <laughs> and uh, we are going to do our special America patriotism nationalism themed episode or two. And happy birthday, America. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite holidays, believe it or not. Really? I love this country. I do. Yeah. I like. I. 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 As. As. As many of the flaws that it has, or um, challenges, difficulties. Uh, actually, I love that. There's a line in one of the songs we're going to play later, uh, where, where it talks about the scars that we have, and uh, uh, I still find it to be, uh, in 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 the words of Ben Franklin, the most amazing experiment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I would say I love this country, too, but I have had a a love-hate relationship with this particular holiday, I have to say, over the years. I mean, certainly when I was growing up as a kid, I, I loved the fireworks, and I, you know, and, it, and I wasn't bothered by the flag-waving at that point, at least for a while. Um, but I definitely have had uh, ups and downs with the, mm -hmm. the particular way that the holiday is celebrated, I guess. Oh, well, yeah, let me be clear. I, I, I hate parades and I, and I don't like fireworks. So. <laughs> and, and I think flags are silly. Other than that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so... one, of, one of the things that we want to get into a little bit in this episode, I think, is thinking about, you know, how patriotism really can mean very different things to different people. Yeah. And it's often a politicized concept. You know, sometimes the right wants to claim patriotism as their exclusive providence, uh, providence. But, uh, you know, that that obviously we're not going to agree with. But, you know, but, you know, that the, there we often can fall into this kind of binary thing where where people who are critical of this country are considered to not be patriotic. And I think, you know, in our talking before, Rodney, it seems like we both agree that actually questioning and and wanting the country to be better is what we consider to be patriotism yes yes and and i think that i think that was the the struggle and the challenge of the um the those who wrote the constitution and the declaration of independence trying to get those three to agree on anything it was adams and um jefferson and franklin who sat in a room and hashed it out like a number of times just kept going and it was really hot that summer mm -hmm. it was like brutally hot they couldn't agree mm -hmm. uh, and they were and, and i think in some ways they represented 
um, the factions, the different attitudes or aspects that still are here today of those who think of America as their own. And mm -hmm. I think that was the challenge then and it continues and it is also part of what makes it great. I mean, and America is great because of the fact that all the seven tribes are here under one idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is pretty amazing. It's this, it's a pretty special thing about in history. I mean, that I don't think that's ever happened before in the history of the world where you had a place where it wasn't where you came from, but it was the belief in an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, it's partly this idea of people coming here mm -hmm. from everywhere mm -hmm. as as immigrants, that we are a land of immigrants, you know, aside from the people who were here before all the immigrants yeah. started coming yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, all the people who are brought here forcibly <laughs> and that and that, of course. Yes. Uh, but 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 once everybody is here, you know, then really that the American promise is that this is a, a country for everybody, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think part of the difficulty we run into is that that promise so often has not been kept in so many different ways. And actually, you know, we often talk for a while before we get to the music, but that is really a perfect way to get us to our, uh, our first song. So if you don't mind, Rodney, let's, let's, and we'll have lots more time to continue the discussion. But um, Alistair uh -huh. Mook is another uh, musician like uh, both of us, actually, who does a lot of stuff for kids and also for adults. And this is one of the things that he wrote for adults, and it's called Make It Great. And I think it kind of sets up this, this, this conversation we're already having about uh, sort of the promises and the failures sometimes to keep those promises. Mm -hmm. Love it or leave it, it's us against them. We're gonna make it great once again. This once was the land of the free and the brave. We all had it good here. Except for the slaves When we came here This country was pure and pristine The skies were all blue And the trees were all green We fought for the rights of the nation we'd built And all here rejoiced Except the natives we killed Then we built cities and roads and great ports Protected by brave men aloft in great forts And then came the railroads that stretched to the seas We all had it good unless you were Chinese Then Abraham Lincoln, the guy with the beard Said no more to slavery, so that disappeared. And that was the end of race problems. We know black people were equal, except for Jim Crow. Now the late 1800s were elegant, grand, Victorian houses and trust in the land. The right to your income and vote you possessed For all of us here, 
barring those who had breasts. Then depression and war kind of soured some years, but we all pulled together and got back in here. Freedom secured in the home of the champs, offer not valid in internment camps. Things really improved. The GI Bill and your mortgage approved. Employment was high and the future was bright for everyone, all of us, if you were white. And that's what we need by Be Great Again. Let's get ourselves back to where we were when Freedom, prosperity, peace all prevailed For the Caucasian, Christian, straight, middle class male Love it or leave it, it's us against them We're gonna make it great once again This once was the home of the brave and the free The world's greatest nation If you looked like me
All right. Of course, that was Neil Young with Rockin' in the Free World. Yeah. One in a long line of songs that has been wrongly used by presidential candidates, right? (laughs) Uh, Yes. It's always wonderful to watch them be clueless and not really get that it's a protest song. Yeah. I mean, Uh, sometimes they seem like they're doing it on purpose to try to co-opt something that's really actually opposed to them. But usually I totally agree with you that it's it's just cluelessness. And, you know, for Trump to use that one was just the height of ridiculousness, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, and then make it great, yeah. Uh, which was... is which is perfect song. It was beautiful. Yeah, awesome. yeah. It's it's a very clever and very uh, right to the point, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And the point he makes is too. I mean, that this is the challenging thing, which is what our, what I was going to say before we started going into the songs. The other side of the creation of the country is this long, long history of uh, of the challenge of race and how. Uh, there was a, a faction of the, the founding fathers who really believed that this country belonged to white Christian men. Right. And uh, that is who that, it, you know, it was, it's interesting if you look at some of the writings and some of the thought process of, of people like Franklin and, 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 um, and Adams and that they really, they really thought that because they put so many uh, checks and balances into the system that maybe they could solve this problem in 10 or 15 years or 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it took, it took, a, it's still going on. It's also the thing that always is always a struggle when people talk, you know, when people talk about white privilege, they think that it's the color of the skin as opposed to the ideology or the belief system that, uh, that really is is kind of um, that that is also part of the founding of this country. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, you know I mean a lot of people don't rec- realize that most of the people that are considered white now were not considered white that. But we talked about that in our race show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does apply here to the beginning oh, of the country because so much of a so much of a, uh, the the scars are around um, those who were left out of the uh original document yeah absolutely i actually i saw a funny thing recently was a a meme on facebook i think that was saying uh while we're tearing down the monuments to white supremacy how about the electoral college and i i posted that and a couple people were like what does the electoral college have to do with white supremacy and you know so i explained well you know one of the points of putting that in there was to kind of boost the power of the slave states that had less voting population because they were more rural, but also because they disenfranchised a huge part of their population. So, you know, the white men were outnumbered, you know, by the white men in the North. So they had to do something to try to even up the scales so that the Southern states would have more power. So it, mm-hmm. it you know, is very much related to that. And, uh, and you could argue even that the creation of the Senate, which gives, more power to lower population states is also part of that yes it's key to point out too when you said uh and i always try and make this clear it was white land owning men Mm -hmm. so the one of the reasons the population was so small is because poor white men were not counted either Mm -hmm. and that gets left out of history i think sometimes when um you know when when it's talked about it it was a very particular it was it was it was a a power wealth grab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's, 
we've we've we run into this a lot of times. You know that, that uh, this idea that sometimes we look at it through the lens of class, sometimes through the lens of race, sometimes mm-hmm. through the le- lens of gender, and in all yeah. those cases, the the founding fathers set things up so that not everybody really actually was going to be a part of that um, mm-hmm. that promise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, and and you know, and I like this concept that we talk about a lot you know and dr king talked about it of mm-hmm. you know working towards a more perfect union that, that yeah. you know we we, mm-hmm. we had high ideals and what we do is we keep kind of trying to to move things so that we are more living up to those ideals yes mm-hmm. right. yeah you know and 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 it, it, yes the, the the ideals and that's the part when i talk about how much i love this country that's the part i love mm-hmm. uh, um you know and it particularly you know when i think of uh like franklin sort of as the inventor of uh the the uh entrepreneur even though entrepreneur is a french word but, but <laughs> well he liked the french uh, I, you know? yeah he liked the french but <laughs> the tinkerer and 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 of course the thing i love about uh franklin too is how uh he he, he felt he he could do everything. I mean, like, you know, he was, he was a musician and he invented musical instruments and it was a, basically, I guess the first kind of Twitter or Facebook in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was definitely an influencer. Right. <laughs> and a scientist and a statesman. I mean, like, uh, again, I don't get me. He is one of my heroes. I yeah. guess you can tell. Cause I try. I'm laughing because I try and um, he's this reading about him as a kid. I'm like, oh, I want to do that. That looks cool. I let me see if I can invent a couple things. I'll be involved in politics. I'll play some music. I'll write articles. This will be a cool thing to be Ben Franklin. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it is cool. I mean, that idea of the Renaissance man or the Renaissance person, somebody who is, you know, talented and important in so many different areas you know Mm -hmm. in the arts and politics and culture and uh and and created so many things and here you know rodney and i are are here in the philadelphia area so of course ben franklin is a particular favorite son of the area yeah Uh, so uh let us continue with the next set and it's uh an interesting uh set of music uh, all, all songs titled America. Right. <laughs> yes. We'll hear from uh, Prince and from Curtis Blow, each with songs, like you said, uh, titled America.
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
Well, people often say that there's two Americas, and there you go. There were two Americas, just we heard in a row. <laughs> That's very funny, David. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, actually, it looks like there's more Americas coming. <laughs> <laughs> there are many Americas. Yeah. Yes. So well, we just heard America by Prince and America by Curtis Blow. Yeah. And, uh, yes. Uh, so... Um, and up next, uh, we're going to play The American Part 2. Um, I wrote this song when I was driving across the country. My, my girlfriend at the time got a job in Los Angeles being the assistant editor on Dead Poet Society. Ooh, cool. And, of course, by the time we got to L.A., the whole thing had fallen apart. Oh. <laughs> and she ended up working on a movie called Hidden Rage, which is a whole other story, but... Uh, Disney didn't want um, Jeff Canoe directing the film, hmm. and uh, the rest is history. But anyway, uh, while I was driving across the country, um, uh, I uh, saw all these things, and I wrote them down in a book. And uh, when I got back, I started putting, piecing, looking at all the stuff I'd written, and there were so many different things I wrote down. It became three different songs. Uh, each one is kind of different. Uh, there's the American part one, part two, and an alt version. And if I kept going, if I went back to the book, I'd probably come up with two more versions of the song. But uh, it's just, you know, someone described it as a Walt Whitman list of things in America. And I like that. <laughs> I'm very excited by that. So here is uh, the American part two from Dark Blonde. And, and after that, Red, White, and Blue from Two of a Kind.
So, two songs from our hosts here of Music for the New Revolution. First, Rodney's song with Dark Blonde, Ameri- The American Part 2. And then second, uh, 
my song with my duo two of a kind red white and blue so that that song red white and blue i wrote in the early 90s um probably obviously for kids and i was working at a camp uh, near philadelphia and it was coming around to the fourth of july and i was thinking that there weren't a i was actually feeling very angry at that moment there had been a supreme court decision the webster decision which severely restricted abortion rights and i was really angry about it and i knew i couldn't sing about that with the kids but i wanted to find some way that would be appropriate to channel my feelings uh about this country into a song that um i'd feel good about singing with kids and i wouldn't get in trouble for <laughs> and uh so that was the, the the you know sort of motive behind that was to sort of find a way to go under the radar a little bit and interestingly uh it has worked. I mean, I've never had a situation where anybody uh, really caught the subversiveness in that song. Actually, my sons not that long ago said to me, you know, Dad, I was listening more carefully to the words of that song, and it's really pretty subversive. You know, but anyway, but generally it has, has not, has not uh, you know, gotten me in trouble. Um, uh, but, uh, now you've uh, just let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be able to play it. Yeah. I mean, it's some cool people, anymore. yeah, right. <laughs> some people have, have also missed the, the uh, idea and have actually, the, I think the only criticisms I have gotten sometimes are from people who are progressive who think it's a flag waving song. And I said, listen a little bit more carefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, in your song, Musically, I noticed uh, mm -hmm. it was really rocking for one thing, but yeah. the end part reminded me a little bit of uh, King Crimson's 21st century uh, <laughs> schizoid man with the whole band tutti, you know, thing. Uh, yes. Uh, uh -huh. Very cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think I did a music video for you for that song too, but just a version of it with the two of you. Well, not cool. that song, but actually another song that I considered doing uh, in that spot, which is uh, We Are a Patchwork Quilt. Oh, that's what it was. And okay. that was the one that you did a video for us. Yes. And that yeah. that's another song that also is, you know, I think of these as kind of non-jingoistic alternative anthems for this country, <laughs> you know, so yeah. celebrating the multiculturalism of this country and celebrating mm -hmm. the us being a land of immigrants and those kinds of things. And of course, there's yes. quite a few things like that. And um, mm -hmm. actually, we were fortunate enough to get to interview uh, the writer of one of the greatest songs in that vein, Gene Rowe, wonderful mm -hmm. musician from New York. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're going to we're going to hear that a uh, little excerpt of, of that interview with her and then probably her best known song, which is called National Anthem Arise, Arise. Which is a very interesting song, too, mm -hmm. uh, because it's acoustic and orchestral. Yeah, there's this really cool introduction to it that is very Copeland-esque, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah, she's a musician with a really wide range of, of influences. You can hear jazz and world music and hip experimental uptown new york stuff uh yeah and and uh -huh. then also the folky side and and, yeah. and what's kind of fun is she grew up listening you know to some of us older people i'm not me but you know uh you know our <laughs> friends and uh, uh -huh. and was very influenced by them and and it's it's very sweet it's a very sweet mm -hmm. thing i'd like mm -hmm. to turn our attention to the song that you know maybe is your best known song uh national anthem arise arise i think that you know your song is wonderful i know lots of people have sung it and uh you have a beautiful recording of it maybe you could tell us a little bit of the of the genesis of that song where it came from sure yeah i was reminded recently that i wrote the first draft of this song in montreal so i wasn't even in the united states and in some way it makes me think of like some 
you know, some of our great like American jazz artists who moved to Paris or something at some point and were really like able to speak to the American experience from a distance. Um, I wrote this song in response to a writing prompt from the radio show Studio 360, which oh. comes out of WNYC in mm -hmm. New York. Um, periodically, they would do these like listener uh, challenges, or I forget what it was called, but the, the prompt was, can you rewrite the national anthem for the United States? Um, their chief complaint being like, there's so many words to that song, the Star Spangled Banner, I mean, and it's really rangy and... Um, and I thought about it and I was like, wow, I have different issues with the Star Spangled Banner as a song, as a national anthem, not as a song, as a national anthem. Um, and this could be a fun like way into writing for me. Um, mm. So I wrote a first draft of it that was like pretty middling. And uh, and then but but that really like sparked um like a deep dive rewrite process for me um and i came to really um i don't know i started playing the song around that year and um over time uh ended up i think it was maybe almost two years later year later that we um that we recorded it and uh yeah um the recording that's out there it involves the choir of my neighbors and my family and um, some students and friends and uh, and then a, a brass ensemble um, arranged by my partner Liam Robinson um, along with some other instrumentalists I really wanted to realize the recorded version of it as a as a as something anthemic that really felt anthemic in that kind of classic brass band and percussion orchestra percussion kind of way yeah well i think you definitely achieved that and it's it you know i sometimes describe that introduction that your partner created as copelandesque you know oh yes that's definitely the inspiration yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so how much how much input did you give your partner uh on the orchestration or arrangement or how much or how much freedom i mean given he's your partner he knows you very well but <laughs> how, how did you determine that Copeland-esque feel and what instrumentation you wanted? How, how did that come about? Yeah. Well, at that point in time, we we were had been longtime friends and collaborators, mm -hmm. and um, so and and this is Liam Robinson. I'm speaking about. Mm -hmm. He uh, had heard and played this song a number of times, and I had actually even begun to write a brass ensemble arrangement for mm -hmm. it myself. He is a really wonderful orchestrator who has formal training in that, um, which I do not, though it's something I've been learning over the years. And he really had this concept for, um, you know, the the particular brass orchestration and um, and the and the kind of space that it would need to be recorded in to really come through. So we did not record it in a traditional recording studio space. Um, I, I seem to remember the Copeland idea was something that we tossed around to, together. Um, I, I don't know who, which of us, like, had that idea first, but, you know, we've had many, like, uh, big freewheeling conversations about this stuff. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and also just I think some of the kind of grandness of it came from both of our inexperience at having ever done anything quite like it before i think mm. we both felt like oh this would be awesome and this would be awesome and what if we did that and sort of the reality of what that would take mm -hmm. was not at all clear to us so <laughs> it was really big and you know 
gosh, I can't believe we pulled it off. Um, after the recording session, so for people listening, we, we recorded it all live at Judson Memorial Church. Mm. Um, and there were many, many people involved, a crew, a film crew of friends who came to help out with it. Um, one of my housemates at the time made tacos for everyone in the kitchen of the church. So there was just like, it was a real team effort. And that night as we dragged ourselves out and packed up and rubbed our eyes and walked out into the evening, uh, I do, do, do remember the percussionist saying, I think this is the biggest production I've ever been a part of that my <laughs> friends handled. <laughs> um, yeah. Really DIY, but big. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's beautiful for it. Uh, I know sometimes DIY productions don't always turn out as you would like them. <laughs> um, but that it's beautiful. Uh, jumping back for a second to the lyrics, you, you had said earlier you had your own issues with the Star Spangled Banner and not so many people know about the the, the racist lines at the end or even how it was written it was that what you were referring to or is there something else that you didn't like and I noticed in your lyrics you refer to many of the challenges that we've had to overcome as a country it's, and continue to have mm, to overcome and that we're still overcoming. <laughs> yeah and that we're still overcome yeah. <laughs> that, yeah um I did not know about the later verses to the Star Spangled Banner oh. that don't often get sung until I started doing a little research about mm. it mm -hmm. um the things that I did know is that it was written about the War of 1812, mm -hmm. um, which was like, does anyone really remember what that war was about? And also to center military history as like the focal point of my nation's like myths and mythology. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not inaccurate. Hear it <laughs> that like militarization is a big part of the United States, but for me, I like I wanted to speak to other ways that people sacrificed to build this place, and um, I mean, particularly at the front of my mind at that time, where was slavery and the, the legacy of slavery and racism in America. That's where the sort of lyric impetus came for that song, and just like wanting. Yeah, wanting to decenter de military narratives mm -hmm. um, and speaking about the United States. I will say that over time, um, David mentioned before, like a lot of people have sung this song now and it's amazing. I feel really like grateful and happy that it's having its own life in the world and that um, people are making it theirs. Um, over time, folks have added lyrics and changed lyrics for their needs. Um, sometimes because they want to leave out stuff that's just too hard and they can't mm. quite pitch it over the plate in the context that they're singing the song in, which is a bummer to me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, folks are doing what they need to do and maintaining the, the general integrity of the song. Um, other... Uh, folks, I worked with a group of young people last year whose amazing choir teacher invited me in as a guest to help them write their own additional verse about things that they felt were really important to their lives. There's, these are middle school students in Massachusetts. Um, and we had a really deep, amazing conversation and um, created some words out of that. Um, but I guess the thing I always come back to is like, there's a lot to talk about and a song has limited real estate. So what can this song really contain um, when people have come with criticisms of the lyric, which, you know, I'm glad is happening and is bound to happen. 
um you know i want people to feel free like if it's a song that feels generally in the bar ballpark to them to like make it their own and really like bring forward the things that feel most pertinent to them um yeah i can't imagine people criticizing the lyric what 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 were their critiques or people say i can't Im I, I thought they were great some people want to maybe take things out that are more difficult like coat mm -hmm. hangers or electric chairs or you know it, it wouldn't be out of a good impulse in that case it would be a censorship of you know kind of sanitizing it of things that are are challenging to them yeah there's a sanitizing part that has come along there have also been people who are veterans of wars or who have had that experience who feel like that is truly important and that there's a way to bring that into the mm -hmm. story mm -hmm. um because there are a lot of dimensions to that aspect mm -hmm. of our history the biggest mm -hmm. criticism that i've got to these lyrics is that um the experience of indigenous people is not though it comes up in the song it's not central to it mm. and i think that that is really that's a really real observation mm -hmm. you know i grew up on the east coast mm -hmm. it was a long time before i traveled to other parts of the country where um i guess for me a lot of my like journey has been as an individual has been grappling with the legacy of slavery mm -hmm. and the story of black people in america um indigenous stories have been really uh, in in my life erased from mm -hmm. a lot of like life on the east coast mm -hmm. in a way that they're much more present in places in the midwest and the southwest um and and that was not something that like i was really mm. uh so aware of mm -hmm. um until uh not that i didn't know at all but um so so there have been folks who've really wanted to make that no that's um, interesting but so we've wanted to criticize that and maybe yeah. hopefully in some cases like have, have found ways to bring that in yeah in their own so it wasn't a critique of the writing it was more a critique of this part of the story is left out and context okay. thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 knowing and and also like the experiences of queer people and mm -hmm. I, you know as i said there's just like so many yeah this is so many well <laughs> and so many people who have struggled mm -hmm. and 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 particularly in the case of indigenous people whose like participation and the the sense of like american nationhood yes is yeah. like a totally like disconnected concept yes yeah, yeah. you so, really did pack um, a lot into the song i kind of think i wonder if you were thinking of this consciously but i feel like it's almost like a howard zinn-esque yeah. uh <laughs> Mm -hmm. a, a look mm -hmm. at the country you know of, yeah. of really mm -hmm. you know touching on a lot of the major alternative mm -hmm. things that people don't always talk about of, of, of yeah. what's happening yeah yeah i mean i think that's that's really true like what's this the, what's the people's story of this country mm -hmm. um what's the <laughs> i wouldn't want, I didn't want to say that i wrote the people's anthem necessarily <laughs> but um you know I mean, I think we're seeing a, a lot right now in, in the ways that people are rethinking these monuments and mm -hmm. wanting to tear down statues and monuments. And folks mm -hmm. are saying, well, those men were great leaders. Uh, you know, George Washington did all mm -hmm. these great things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he owned slaves. Everybody owned slaves. Like, well, uh, you know, those things you're saying are true. And also there are so many other leaders who have like much less problematic history mm -hmm. that we can lift up. Like who do we yeah. choose to remember and how, mm -hmm. and, um, and who are the like nameless people 
people whose stories we'll never know specifically, yeah. but we know that they were part of a mass group of people mm-hmm. who, who stood yeah. for justice um, just by existing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah.
possibility to be guardians of our liberty till tyrants bow to the people's dream and justice flows like a mighty stream
Yeah, they sign their names Something they believed Red, how the blood ran red They laid their dead in sacred ground Think, wonder what they'd think If they could see us now It's been a long One of the things that I think is a lot of fun about our partnership, Rodney, is that we often get to introduce each other to things. And I think of the batch of things that you brought to this episode, that one is particularly my favorite. I really dig that song, and I had never heard it before. So Yeah, <laughs> uh, that I love that song. And uh, you, you ever hear a song where you go, oh, I wish I could have written that? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you do when someone writes two songs that you go, ah, I wish I couldn't have written. <laughs> Dan was um, was the, uh, I guess, the, the founder or the principal writer in, in Semisonic. So he wrote the song Closing Time mm-hmm. as well. And uh, and so both of those songs are just kill me. I love them. Yeah. And I but, thought, uh, think he also helped to write the Not Ready to Make uh, Nice with mm-hmm. the Dixie Chicks. Yes. So, yep. A lot of good songs. Yes. So, uh, very, very, very talented songwriter. And I like this little set that you, know, you put together here because, you know, a lot of the songs that we had, even our own songs, were, were little snarky kind of critical. Uh, and these two songs, while they don't sugarcoat anything, they both are songs that are very hopeful. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like the song just feels like, yeah, I'm out in my car and I'm driving through America and I see all these things and it's like, yeah, there's hope here. There's, there's still the promise. And the um, song before that, which just felt like um, rising from the ashes. It was like a phoenix, particularly with the Copeland-esque open. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do another throwback section with a couple songs from the 60s and the 70s, respectively. Um, first off, we'll hear a song by Phil Oaks. Uh, and uh, the song is The Power and the Glory. Uh, and it's, you know, a song, I think, kind of in the vein of This Land is Your Land in terms of celebrating the physical beauty of the country and uh, diversity and things like that, but then also talking about how we're not there yet in terms yeah. of the ideals <laughs> that, you know, we, we need to live up to this the, these high ideals, these lofty yes. ideals. 
Yeah, and and I would uh, suggest if anybody is out there, uh, check out one of our earlier interviews where we got to interview Phil Oaks' sister. Yes, Sunny Oaks. Uh, It was in um, an early episode that we did that was called In the Heat of the Summer. Ah, yes. And it was because that song actually is a Phil Oaks song, and we were particularly playing a reworking of it by uh, Kim and Reggie Harris, and we also Mm -hmm. interviewed Reggie in that segment. That's, That's right. Yeah. So David, this is one of the songs that you brought in, and um, you know you you had mentioned uh, that the last uh, verse is not played all the time by a lot of people. And right. Yeah. There's a fourth verse that isn't generally in the songbooks and wasn't on the studio recording of the album, and um, and I think people have kind of recently discovered it, and it feels very current. Um, yeah. So you know. Uh, I, I, it's interesting. I think it's only on like a demo that he did, mm. um, and uh, it, it's always interesting when you get these these verses that you know are less well known. Mm-hmm. Yes, but this one is so. Car- I, I actually want to read the lyrics because it gave me chills when I took a look at it because uh, it's so timely and it's it's hard to imagine these line words were written in. Uh, 1963, 62? Um, well, it came out on an album in 64, but maybe he wrote it in 63. Yeah, okay. Uh, but our land is still troubled by men who have hate. They twist away our freedom. They twist our fate. Fear is their weapon, and treason is their cry. We can stop them if we try. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so timely for today. Uh, I guess just as it was in... The early 60s. Yes, yes. And then uh, we'll hear a song from the mid-70s from Gil Scott Heron uh, called Winter in America, which I think paints a really bleak picture of that, you know, time of Watergate and the winding down of the Vietnam War and the economy starting to slow and, uh, you know, just it's just very. And I think that whole idea of winter in America is such a great image for that. You know, it's, it's, it's just uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can feel like the cold in our bones, you know, yes. also, you know, that reminds me of another great uh, song that gets that across, which is Paul Simon's American tune. Mm hmm. Yeah, very different song, but you know, sort of would would make a good pair with that, I think. Yeah. All right. Phil Oaks, uh, "The Power and the Glory," and then Gil Scott Heron, "Winter in America." In our throwback section. This song has, get, has got more reaction than anything else I've written in such a short time. As far as people want to do it, it's called "The Power and the Glory." Sort of theme song, you might say. <laughs> Come on and take a walk with me through this green and growing land. Walk through the meadows and the mountains and the sand. Walk through the valleys and the rivers and the plains. Walk through the sun and walk through the rain. Here is a land full of power and glory, beauty that words cannot recall. Oh, her power shall rest on the strength of her freedom. Her glory shall rest on us all. From Colorado, Kansas, and the Carolinas, too. Virginia and Alaska, from the old to the new. Texas and Ohio and the California shore. Tell me who could ask for more, for here's a land full of power and glory. Beauty that words cannot recall. Oh, her power shall rest on the strength of her freedom. Her glory shall rest on us all. 
Yet she's only as rich as the poorest of the poor Only as free as a padlock prison door Only as strong as our love for this land Only as tall as we stand for Here's a land full of power and glory Beauty that words cannot recall Oh, her power shall rest on the strength of her freedom Her glory shall rest on us all But our land is still troubled by men who have to hate They twist away our freedom and they twist away our faith Fear is their weapon and treason is their cry We can stop them if we try For here's a land full of power and glory Beauty that words cannot recall Oh, her power shall rest on the strength of her freedom Her glory shall rest on us all Come on and take a walk with me through this green and growing land Walk through the meadows and the mountains and the sand Walk through the valleys and the rivers and the plains Walk through the sun and walk through the rain Here is a land full of power and glory Beauty that words cannot recall Oh, her power shall rest on the strength of her freedom Her glory shall rest on us all On us all Welcome to Pilgrims And to the Buffaloes Who once ruled a plane Like the vultures Circling beneath the dark clouds Looking for the rain Looking for the rain Just like the city that Stagger on the coastline In a nation That just can't stand much more Like the forest Buried beneath the highway Never had a chance to grow Never had a chance to grow And now it's winter Winter in America Yes, and all of the hills Have been killed Sent away Yeah, but the people know The people know it's winter in America And ain't nobody fighting Cause nobody knows what to say Save your soul Lord knows from winter in America The Constitution A noble piece of paper with free society struggle but they died in vain and now democracy is a ragtime on the corner hoping for some rain 
And I see the robbers perched in barren treetops. They're watching last ditch races marching across the floor. But just like the peace signs that vanished in our dreams, never had a chance to grow. Never had a chance to grow. It's winter, it's winter in America, and all of the hillers have been killed or betrayed. Yeah, but the people know, the people know it's winter. in America And ain't nobody fighting Cause nobody knows what to say Save your soul From a winter in America Listening to Music for the New Revolution. I'm Rodney Wittenberg. I'm David Heitler Clevens. Music for the New Revolution is produced at Melody Vision Recording Studios in Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania. Music for the New Revolution is written and produced by David Heitler Clevens and Rodney Wittenberg. And edited and co-produced by Ben Flax. 
You can find us at musicforthenewrevolution.com or MFTNR. Like us on Facebook and follow our Spotify playlist. And our podcasts can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. And you can also be a patron, a supporter of our podcast on Patreon. This is Music, Music for, for the, the New, New Revolution.